Hey everyone, welcome to Be The Change. My name is Lily Mott, and today I'm going to be talking about how change comes when you just lead. My guest this week is Seth Brilland, and he is a 19-year-old who is running to be the youngest candidate elected to office in New York since Teddy Roosevelt. I had a really interesting talk with Seth about his candidacy and his hopes for the future. So without further ado, let's get started with this episode featuring Seth Brilland. So my name is Seth Breland. I am a resident of Whitestone, Queens. I am formerly the youngest person to run for office in New York City uh, history for New York, the New York City Council. I'm a former member of the Education Council, or you know, some people call it Education Board for District School District 26. And I am now a uh, candidate um, running in the Democratic primary for the State Assembly District 26 in Whitestone, Bayside, Little Neck, um, Eastern Queens. And I'm running to be the youngest elected in the state since Teddy Roosevelt, the, the first Greek-American and the first Puerto Rican-American to represent this district in the State Assembly as well. Thank you for that introduction, Seth. And I'm so glad that we got connected and that I get to have you on the show. So I want to start off by asking you a little bit more about your background and how you got to this point of running your campaign. So what were some of the experiences you had or maybe the hardships you faced that brought you to this point where you felt like you needed to run for office? Definitely. So I first got my first internship in government at 14 for State Assemblyman David Wepperin. And I was with him for three consecutive summers. Um, and I was, you know, working in my home district at that time, my uh, home assembly district. And he really exposed me to a lot of the political issues and just like quality of life issues that our residents are facing. At his office, I dealt with um, constituent cases. I did bill research. I had to, um, you know, I saw all that was happening with our schools and education. And I think that really gave me a firsthand view of what was really going on in, in, in Eastern Queens and Northeastern Queens and just what people were facing day to day. You know, we get calls to the office about roads. We get calls to the office about scam calls. We get calls to the office about our schools and school funding. And I think, you know, that really exposed me to, there's a lot of things that need to be, need to be done um, in Northeast Queens. And that was back in 2016. So since then, I, in 2018, was appointed by Senator Schumer to be a United States Senate page. And I was working down and living in Washington, DC, serving the Democratic Caucus, um, which was another great experience because not only did I get to learn from the Senator himself, but I also got to staff all the Democratic Caucus and, and members from Hawaii to Nebraska to Florida um, to our current vice president was in the Senate while I was there. Um, I got to meet her and a bunch of other people and just hear about what people are facing across the country and how similar it is, it, different situations, but, but a lot of similar elements that people are facing in Nebraska and California and Florida, people are facing here in New York. From there, I, in my senior year of high school, I was appointed by our superintendent to be a, uh, the, the student member on the Education Council, um, which are 
you know, a, a public forum and public advocacy group, basically that's run by the DOE, but Department of Education, um, that gives parents uh, of the district a voice um, to come together, talk about what's going on in the district education-wise, um, inequities, where we can do better, how we can best advocate for our schools and really be that, that sounding board. Um, and then in, during the pandemic um, was when I decided to launch my first run for office for New York City Council. And that was a unique experience itself because we were still in a pandemic. Everything was virtual. There wasn't as much face-to-face contact as, we, as there, I would have liked it to be. But I did it because I was just, I was, you know, dissatisfied with our current leadership and our current public electeds. You know, like I was talking about a little earlier, you know, when I first entered in, tw- in 2016 at the age of 14, the same issues that existed in 2016 are still are still taking place in 2020. We still have schools that are underfunded. We still have teachers and parents who don't have a choice in education anymore. We still have small businesses that are are, are crumbling to these big corporations and overdevelopment and just the pandemic in general. And it, it, for me, it was, you know, how long can constituents and voters trust their elected officials around election time, then when, you know, when things are meant to get done, nothing happens. Um, you know, for, for years now, the same problems have persisted, the same threats to our quality of life have persisted and our elected officials time and time again come around during election time and they promise to make things better. They said they have the experience to make things better, but nothing ever changes. So what good does that experience make when nothing comes from it? So that really drove me to run for office. The, the, the struggling in our communities, the quality of life issues in our communities, um, the pandemic and how much it exacerbated just everything, uh, every single issue and, and how we still have issues that were before the pandemic and are still here now. And, you know, that really pushed me to run for office and it's pushing me to run again um, this time around. That makes a lot of sense as to how you got to this point of pretty much just putting yourself out there to run. So you mentioned some of the problems that people are facing in Queens and around the country. And I would love to really know more about what issues you're most passionate about and the issues that have really been at the forefront of your campaign. So what are some of those issues? And can you explain why they're so important both to you and now to your candidacy? Yeah, yeah, of course. So Assembly District 26, Northeast Queens, is a very unique district, and it's very unique to New York City. It's very unique to the state. It's a very moderate. It's a very just just calm district. You know, it's not the same. It's not like when you see other districts in Astoria, Manhattan, where they're a lot more liberal and a lot more left. It's a very interesting district, and, and it can go either way politically. The person I'm challenging is an incumbent who has not faced a primary since 2010. So we're talking for 12 years now, he's been in office and has not faced a primary. And one of the worst things sometimes that, that has happened is when someone sees that you're young and running for office, they immediately assume that you're someone who's left, someone who's radical, someone who doesn't you know deserve to represent this area or doesn't know the values and that's not what this campaign is about. This, this campaign is basically about, hey, we, there are quality of life issues in this district that need to be fixed. And that our current assembly member, Mr. Bronstein, just hasn't 
fix them. He hasn't introduced enough legislation. He hasn't introduced enough resolutions. He hasn't done enough for the community. And there's just been too much left undone. Uh, one of the near and dear issues to my heart is education. I've had a mother who's worked in education for almost 30 years now as a teacher and as a school administrator. Um, so I've seen firsthand what our teachers go through. And just the fact that parents and students now have less choice, you know, in New York State and New York City, especially our, our mayor and our chancellor uh, want to get rid of our specialized high schools. They want to get rid of our gifted and talented programs. And the thing that the DOE, the Department of Education, still doesn't understand is that every student learns differently. Every student learns uniquely. And every parent, every student, every family deserves the academic rigor and a choice that will best suit their students. So I think the fact that we're this far in and our, our gifted and talented programs have already been cut and we're, we're entering into a, a new period where a new program is being instituted, I think it is a disgrace. And I think the fact that our assembly member hasn't introduced a resolution and had the Albany step in to protect these programs is a shame. And it's a complete waste of the legislative power that he has. Um, another big issue that, that is on my mind is um, crime. We, we've seen a, a, a big jump in crime, not only in our area, but in New York City in general. And, you know, I, I'm sure this is a problem that a lot of people are facing in, in big cities, but, you know, it, it's just not safe to walk out at night anymore. It's not safe to walk in our parks, parks that were once, you know, you could go at eight o'clock at night, seven o'clock at night in the middle of the summer and, and you'd be safe and fine. But nowadays it's not like that. And we have laws in New York State like bail reform that make it easier for criminals to get released and makes it easier for the, and it makes it harder, sorry, not easier, but harder for the NYP to do their job. And we really do need to be, start supporting our law enforcement. You know, the, the state needs to reaffirm their support for our law enforcement and for law and order and for our safe streets, because not only does safe streets and, and unsafe communities affect just residents and property value, but it also affects our seniors. I have an elderly grandmother who lives in Bayside, who is a, a recent widow because my grandfather died during COVID. I don't feel safe for her to walk out right now at five o'clock at night when, it, when it's, it's pitch black. I don't. And, and so this has become a real quality of life issue for a lot of residents. Coming down from Albany is the congestion pricing. We have congestion pricing, which is going to make it harder for residents of Eastern Queens to get into Manhattan, to get into the city, for our doctors, for, the, for, for jobs. We are in a transit desert out here in the Northeast Queens, which is another whole issue in itself. But in a place that's just a transit desert that doesn't have the access to trains, to subways, to, you know, expanded bus service, the city wants to make it more expensive. The state wants to make it more expensive and harder for our residents to get into the city. And again, bail reform, congestion pricing are all things that our current assembly member voted for. So those are a few of my um, top two, three biggest concerns for the district. You know, I can go into them a lot more, but this campaign is really focusing about the quality of life issues, the local issues, the things that people are complaining about and affect their daily lives. So that's what really we're trying to stress out there. I think that's really interesting that you pointed out that people, when they first find out about your candidacy, may think that you're a radical leftist or... All of your policies are going to be liberal, but it actually seems to me like 
your policies are much more catered to what you feel like your constituents would need rather than worrying about how they fall on the political spectrum. So that's really interesting. And I would love to know now, as you've done so much political work and you've gotten to meet so many amazing people, I'm sure you've had some great conversations. Are there any words of advice that have really stuck with you from people that you've talked to or things you've read? Does anything like that really come to mind for you? There, there's many quotes and pieces of advice that kind of stick with me today. And one of the biggest ones, actually, that I keep in my back in my mind is one of a, a, a close uh, former principal who I got to know throughout my time, my time in education and on the education council and just different policy um, groups that I have been on because of my work with education. And what he always said was to stay true to yourself to be honest, stay true to yourself and and be authentic. And people are going to see right through you if you're not authentic. They're going to see that you're ingenuine and that's going to, you know, not do well for you. And I think that's so true. When running for office, we want our constituents and I want the voters of this district to feel like they can trust me, to feel like I'm not going to be one of those same old politicians who promises and, and, and never gives and never delivers or one of those same old politicians who contributes to the corruption in our, in our state capitals or in, in this country who contribute to that bad name that, you know, elected officials do nothing, that they're overpaid because they don't do enough work. They don't deliver. Um, so that, that's really something that I live by. I want to be genuine. I I'm, I'm, want to make sure people actually know that I care about this district, that I live in this district, that I went to school in this district, that I uh, work in this district, that I understand what they're going through, that we shop at the same shopping centers, that we, we read at the same libraries, we go to the same Dunkin' Donuts, we go to the same ice cream places that I am part of the community. And that when it comes to local offices, that's exactly what we need, a local resident, a local constituent, someone who's stepping up to the plate to say enough is enough, things need to change. Um, another quote that really resonates with me um, is from our vice president, Ms. Harris, that And she said, never ask anyone's permission to lead, just lead. And she said that in response to someone asking her, what is your advice for the youth of today? And I think that that is that is such a powerful quote, because, you know, there I I have spoken to elected officials um, telling them, you know, going around, you know, making sure they knew that I was running for office, letting them know what was happening. And a lot of them I knew growing up, I had worked with, I had done something with um i looked up to and the moment you got on the phone with them they always say it's not gonna work out for you no no you're too young it's not gonna work out for you and and, you know i can't say i was was surprised but the democratic party is, is at a defining moment we cannot become a party that is led by one specific group and one specific ideology and our current electeds especially more established ones need to understand that to win in some of these areas, to push back against these conspiracy theories and falsehood and just false truth people that are running for office on the other side, there has to be a change in leadership. Um, And I wish more elected officials said what um, the vice president said. I I wish they supported more young candidates to run for office because, you know, we're at the point where we're, we're at a defining moment and there needs to be a change because what's what's been in place is not working 
Um, so those are two advices that I, that I live by to just be honest and genuine and just go for it. Just don't, don't wait my turn. Don't wait until somebody or some boss says it's okay to run for office or it's okay to point out these issues or, or it's okay to advocate for your district or, you know, to tell me that it's okay for me to actually fight for the district or fight for the way the district deserves. So those are the two things I kind of live by. And I'm, I'm really reminding myself in this, uh, this primary season that I'm sure is going to be pretty tough because I'm going against an incumbent. I love those last pieces of advice. And I think you're really staying true to them. So I think that's great. And I have one last question for you before I'll let you go. But lots of young people, particularly college students, want to create change and they want to make a difference in the world. But they may not know how or maybe where to get started. So do you have any advice for those people who may be listening? Well, I will never miss an opportunity to say that if a young person wants to get involved in politics, they can always reach out to me and, and volunteer on the campaign. We could always use some extra staffers um, and volunteers. But, you know, if you're young and you want to get involved, no matter where you are in the country, attend a town hall, attend a elected officials event, just, just attend something, go, go to a community event and just see what's going on, see what's happening, because the best thing you can do is educate yourself and become more knowledgeable and just learn about what's really happening in your community. And then hearing people and hearing what's going on will help point you in the right direction of, okay, I see this is going on here and I want, I want to take action. I want to do this and that. And if I feel passionate about education, maybe I'm going to run for my school board, or maybe I'm going to get involved in my, in, in my school on a more local level and do something in my school student government or my college student government, or, if you are in an area where your elected official isn't doing the right thing or they aren't, aren't being the best advocate for that area, then run for office, then, then do it. There, there are so many opportunities to get involved. There are so many local offices that people don't think are as glamorous or as high profile, but still those offices are some of the most impactful because they, direct, they uh, directly impact the constituents in that area. So my advice is just go out there, learn as much as possible and just take the jump, just do it. One of the things that I'm really trying to emphasize on this campaign is, you know, it money and having thousands of dollars, a hundred thousand dollars doesn't mean you can't make change. If you don't have it does not mean you can't make change. And when I'm going out there with voters, I hate asking for money. I hate saying, can I have a thousand dollars for you to come to my event? Can I have a $500 for you to come to this um, this restaurant for a fundraiser. I'm asking for people's vote, not their money. So if you're going out there and you want to run for office or you have a cause and you think you can't do it because you can't raise the money or their money is not there for you or because that you're young, you have more established people saying, no, 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 we're not going to give to you. Don't listen to them. Don't listen to them at all. Go out there, talk to talk to constituents, talk to your fellow neighbors and, and just be awesome, be genuine with them and just talk. And used your tools like social media and there are a bunch of great organizations now that will help support you if you want to run for office, especially if you're young. So just go out there, learn more, and just really just take the jump, take the loop. I really enjoyed talking with Seth and I'm excited to stay updated and follow along with his political career. And I really want to highlight some of the advice that he shared during our conversation. Seth talked about how he really tries to live by Vice President Kamala Harris's quote, 
Never ask anyone's permission to lead, just lead. And I absolutely love that advice. So many of the people I've featured on this podcast, including Seth, aren't waiting for other people to lead movements and get more involved in activism. They're just doing it themselves. No one's going to give you permission to start a project, an organization, or in Seth's case, a campaign. You just have to do it. Seth recognized that his elected officials weren't doing enough for his community, and he decided that he would step in and lead instead. While it doesn't have to be running for office, I think we can all take a page out of Seth's book and remember that change comes when you just lead. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and you can follow Seth on Instagram at Seth4NY to get connected with him and stay up to date with his campaign. If you want to talk about anything I mentioned, please reach out to me by email at lily at bethechangepodcast.org or on Instagram at bethechangepodcast. Tune in for my next episode, but until then, be the change you wish to see in the world. Bye, guys.